welcome to The Last Track, where we help people showcase the last track of their life story in their final wishes. I am your host, Brian Norris, the co-owner of Bateman Funeral Home in Newport, Oregon. Just like a song can bring you back to a day, a time, and a memory, so too can a well-planned service. We are introducing a new trilogy. It's entitled, So I Did My Pre-Need, Now What? So we always talk about getting a pre-arrangement taken care of, a pre-need. But once you've done that, are you complete? Or is there other things that you may want to consider? And so we're going to talk about those things that you may want to consider after you've done the pre-arrangement at the funeral home. So my first question is, is have you covered all your bases? You've met with a funeral director. You've filled out your vital information, you have paid for a cremation or a burial, and generally that's kind of where it gets left. Sometimes you might have talked about, okay, I'm going to be buried and so I want to have a traditional service and or I'm going to be cremated, but I still want a memorial service. But you really have, that's, that's where you've left it. So you might want to ask the funeral home if they have a planning guide. And the planning guide would cover talking about what you want to have done at your funeral service. It allows you to work at your own pace. It allows you to work from home. And it gives information about obituaries. You might even write your own obituary. You might write an obituary for your loved one if you're preparing this for your loved one. It helps you to be able to go through and talk about legacy. And when I talk about legacy, I'm talking about things like, okay, you might have social media. And in this planning guide, it hopefully will direct you to figure out what do I do with my Facebook page? What do I do with Twitter? Those kinds of things. What about passwords? Uh, so that you make sure you put down your passwords for your social media, that kind of stuff. Other things. What about passwords to maybe get into your laptop? I know when I open up my laptop and I turn it on, I have to put in a four digit number. Does somebody know what that four-digit number is? You know, your children, your spouse, your best friend, whoever you're going to want to have, get into. Because I know on my laptop, once you get into my laptop, I also have a folder that has all of the information about my banking, investments, you know, wills, where things are, who, you know, there's a few things in there talk about who's going to get what. But if you can't get into the laptop and if you person doesn't know where that is on your laptop. You've done all this work, but the person, the, the family won't know where to get that information. Those are some of the things that you're going to want to do. One of the other spreadsheets that I have is all of the bills when they're due, that kind of stuff. So if you are the one that takes care of all the bills and the financial stuff in the family, Make sure that your loved one that you're going to be possibly leaving knows where to have all that information. You know, I make sure that my wife is abreast on what's going on, but since she doesn't do it all the time, 
I mean, we've traded back and forth over the almost 40 years that we've been married. She did it for, you know, a decade that I did the next decade type of a thing. It's not that she can't do it. She just isn't currently taking care of those. That's just something I'm doing. So make sure that your significant other knows where to find all that stuff, knows where the passwords are. Because again, you know, we hope that we're going to have that type of death that we all think about. Okay, we're going to be here. and then, But we don't know if it's going to be a sudden thing, if it's a car wreck, those kinds of things. Those are things that we can't control at all. A couple more things. One of the things that I talk to families about when we do a prearrangement is what happens, you know, we, we take care of things, and this is something you'll want to ask your funeral home, you may have a prearrangement with them. How many miles does the funeral home go before, when they pick you up? What is it guaranteed for? Most funeral homes will have something in there saying 40, 50, you know, 30, maybe even up to 70, 75 miles, depending on the funeral home and where they're located, especially when you get in the more remote areas. I mean, we're the only funeral home around here, so we'll travel 50 miles there's travel protection that you can, you might want to consider, especially if you go on vacations. You know, if you're in Hawaii and heaven forbid somebody passes away and it happens, especially if you don't lead an active life and you go somewhere and maybe you're going snowshoeing and you, you really haven't been active for a long time, things happen, heart attacks happen, that kind of stuff. Travel protection is something that a lot of funeral homes offer. We offer it as well. And this is, I'm not trying to sell you on this, but we use international emergency assistance. It's called IEA. And they guarantee it's a membership program and it's over 20 years old. They have a couple hundred thousand people that are members of that now in the last 20 years that have signed up. And what they do is depending on if you want burial or cremation, you can select what you want and the prices will range depending on the funeral homes. You know, in my particular funeral home is $399 for a cremation, it's $499 for a burial. Other funeral homes, it may be more or maybe less, but they guarantee no matter where you are in the world, if you're a U.S. citizen and there's an active embassy, and that's important, and that's something you'll want to check with whoever you're going to use. It's if you're a U.S. citizen and you're traveling abroad and there's an active American embassy, we would be able to get you taken care of. And I'll give you a quick example. We worked through IEA where there was a gentleman who had passed away in London, and we assured and made sure that that person was picked up taken care of, cremated, and then shipped back to the States in his cremation container. Family didn't have to do anything. You know, they had to go in, meet with the hospital and, and work with the people that would get their information. But we took care of everything else. They hopped on a plane the following day and came home. And we were the ones that continued to work with and talk to the cremation company in London making sure that he was picked up, making sure that all the paperwork were ready, making sure that death certificates were done, making sure that they were placed on a plane and making sure that they went through customs and everything else to be repatriated to these states. That's something that, that costs thousands of dollars. 
if it wasn't covered in some sort of a membership travel program. And if you don't travel, don't need one you know, if you're staying in the area. But if you're doing some traveling, that's something that you may want to consider, especially as people approach retirement. And some of the things that they want to do is I plan on doing my bucket list and going to all these places. Make sure that your travel protection plan, make sure that whatever prearrangement you're doing covers you for all of that as well. Last but not least, I wanted to mention appointment of another who is your legal next of kin, that type of thing. So make sure that you have decided who your legal next of kin is. If a person has a will, in that will, if they stipulate specifically for final arrangements, then that could work. Just because you're the executor or the executrix of a will does not make you the person that is in charge of those final arrangements. You are in charge of the estate and you're in charge of taking care of all those businesses as, as well as paying for final expenses. But the executor, when you're looking at ranking, when you stack rank a next of kin, the executor actually falls as the letter G. Just so you know, it starts at the letter A. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That's where the executor falls. So let's talk about exactly who is an next of kin and how that ranking works. So the very first and foremost person who has the legal right and responsibility of taking care of somebody when they pass away and take care, taking care of their final arrangements of that body is the spouse, surviving spouse. Now, the surviving spouse is that person, number one. Now, let's say that person's incapacitated. You know, maybe they're in the bed next to them. Well, they're still legally responsible unless somebody has a power of attorney for them. And that's where it gets kind of tricky. So if my mom passed away and my dad has some challenges and I have power of attorney for all of my dad's decisions, then I can go in and I can take care of the final arrangements. Obviously, I wouldn't want to make sure that my dad is in agreement with those things if he's capable of making those decisions. So that's number one, spouse. And that also falls underneath a registered domestic partner that falls in that same level of A. And the level A person who may have a power of attorney for that person. So that's A. The next in line is a son or a daughter. It can be an adopted son or daughter. It cannot be a stepson or daughter. It's, it runs along the line of, of natural bloodlines. Son, daughter, adopted son or daughter. So then we get into the question of we have four children and three of them want one thing and one wants another. Well, in the state of Oregon, we only need to have one person sign and we are able to move forward. Now, what generally happens is 
I step out of the room and I say, you guys talk about it. And when I come back in, I want a unanimous decision. Because the last thing we need to do is have a person cremated and everybody else said it should have been buried. And then we are stuck in the middle of a lawsuit. Now, legally, I'm okay with doing the cremation, but it's not good for the family. So that's when you get into those wars. Ideally, the person has already stipulated what they wanted in advance. So it starts with spouse, registered domestic partner, a person with the power of attorney over one of those levels, and then it goes to children. Then we go to if the person doesn't have any children, maybe they were a young person, didn't have any children, hadn't been married. Well, then it goes back to parents. I've had 90 and 100 year old parents signing for 80 year old people that have passed away, 70 year old people that have passed away that didn't have any children, didn't have a spouse. That makes that next of kin being a parent. So a parent of the decedent. Then you go to brothers and sisters that are over the ages of 18. I got to mention too, son or daughter that is over the age of 18. We've had people 16 and 17, very capable of making decisions, but legally they couldn't do it. So then I went to an aunt or an uncle and then the son, and they absolutely took into account what that the child's wishes were. A guardian of the decedent at the time of death. And that's a person that we're getting down to E. F is a person of the next degree of kindred, which means cousins, second cousins, that kind of stuff. And then we get finally all the way down to G, which is the person that has the charge of the will. And I've had, again, I've had people waving it going, I am the executor and that's great. So, and I go, well, did you want to be G and let this other person make the decision? Because you're G. And actually they were way over there on B, a son or a daughter. It's like, oh no, I want to use that right. Okay, well then let's move forward as a son or a daughter. So then we start getting into some kind of stuff where it's the person who has been nominated as the personal representative of the decedent in the decedent's last will. So actually, technically, if the person in charge of the will as the executor executor it's actually outranks that person that's been appointed in the will. And then we get all the way down to a public health officer. That's all the way down at I. So what we do is if a person has nobody, we can't find anybody. And generally this is going to be somebody that's passed away, this indigent, no children, no relatives, nothing. Generally what happens is I get public health officer of our county to sign the cremation authorization. We take care of them as indigent. But now we get to the point of, so what if I have children who are legal next of kin or a spouse so that's a legal next of kin, but I really don't want them to have to deal with it. Or I want to make sure that my wishes are honored. And so I'm going to step completely outside all of that legal next of kin information and I can actually appoint somebody and that jumps everybody to the very front of the line and that actually becomes greater than the letter A, spouse. If you appoint somebody and you can actually go to our website, uh, BatemanPacificView.com and on our website, if you go under forms, you will find a document that's called appointment of another. It's called an appointment of another. And that's a legal document that has all the legal language on it. 
that's required to be able to appoint somebody. And again, why would you want to appoint somebody? Well, maybe you don't, I hate to say it this way, but maybe you don't trust those people that are in your next of kin line. And we've had it happen where somebody has had a big ten dollars to $15,000 pre-need set aside in a trust or an insurance policy set aside to take care of those final expenses. And when the day comes, the person that's going to be your legal next of kin goes, huh, I'm going to do a direct cremation and pocket the other fourteen grand." Oops. Maybe you wanted to be buried in a casket, in a plot, at a certain cemetery, and that fifteen grand was going to take care of all of that. Now you're getting cremated, and you're going to be scattered in some bushes, and <laughs> that person's going to pocket the fourteen grand. Now that's an extreme case, but it's not unheard of, and we see it every year. And so we tell people if you're not quite sure, or if you want to save your spouse from the emotional roller coaster that goes with doing all of this, you can appoint somebody and that person can still work with the spouse or the children. But you're, you know, if you have a very sensitive next of kin, it's not a bad idea to appoint somebody that you know will take care of your wishes the way you want it and fill out that form and have it set with your will, have it set in your pre-need file. We do that all the time. We'll put it in a file here in the funeral home. And when we open it up, when that person passes, we have all the wishes laid out. We have everything all prepaid. And then we have the appointment of the person so we know who to call and we get it taken care of. Make sure that you know who's going to become your legal next of kin. If you don't have one, make sure that you get somebody appointed And you could even say, if then, if then, if then, if this person's not available, then this person. And just kind of make sure that that's taken care of so that you got all your bases covered. Wow. You know, we talk about pre-arrangements. You go in and you meet with a funeral home and you're hoping everything's done. These are the next steps. And there's going to be two more in this series. So please tune in. And if you've got any questions, please make sure that you can get a hold of us. You're welcome to... Drop us a line at info at BatemanPacificView.com. And thank you for listening. Well, we have reached that time in our podcast where we take a time and we take a moment and we remember all the families that are experiencing a loss and we light a virtual candle in their memory. Let's take a moment. This has been The Last Track. I'm Brian Norris. You can find out more about Bateman Funeral Home at our website at BatemanPacificView.com. You can visit us on our website, and you can also leave us messages there, or you can visit us on Facebook. If you have any feedback or any questions about today's episode, you're welcome to call us at 541-265-2751, or you can send us an email at info at BatemanPacificView.com. We would love to hear from you. And... Thank you very much for joining us today. 
and make sure that you follow our page to hear more from us. Make sure to listen to our other two podcasts in this trilogy. Thank you for listening.